0: Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today.
1: I'm the type of person who will think about one thing that I have to do 10 times and mistakenly have the impression that I have 10 things to do and then get stressed out.
0: Hey, my name is Jesse J. Anderson, host of the ADHD Nerds podcast, the show where we talk about living with ADHD and have some fun along the way. This is episode six. Today, I'm talking with Scotty Jackson. Scotty is a self-described productivityist, a digital communications manager, and co-host of the Nested Folders podcast. Nested Folders is a podcast all about productivity and the good and bad of getting things done. But first, I'm excited to announce my Refocus Your ADHD Brain course coming in early August. This cohort-based course is based on my upcoming book, Refocus, and will help you build the tools and strategies to make the most of your unique brain. You'll work alongside a like-minded community of others with ADHD to become an ADHD pro and build your brain strategy playbook. Sign up now to get the early bird pricing at ADHD dot courses. That's A-D-H-D dot C-O-U-R-S-E-S. I can't wait to see you there. Now let's get to the show. Scotty, it is great to have you here today.
1: Uh, Jesse, it is great to see you uh, and or hear you um, I'll, I'll, uh, in the audience's shoes. I am hearing you. <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic to connect.
0: Awesome. Well, I've been a fan of your podcast, Nested Folders, uh, for a while now. And then I reached out to you, or you reached out to me. I don't remember. We connected sometime last year. And it's been great to kind of get to know each other since then. And uh, yeah, I'd love to start, though, and find out about your origin story with ADHD. When did you first start to think maybe you had it? Did you get diagnosed? What did that all kind of look like growing up?
1: I mean, I I probably told some jokes like the old, ha, 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 my ADHD brain, ha, ha. Uh, mm-hmm. like
0: throughout throughout
1: um my life, but it didn't occur to me in in any kind of real concrete form until you know I started seeing a psychologist in late 2019 because I had a, like an out of nowhere sort of well I thought out of nowhere anyway panic attack and it was something I hadn't experienced before. You know, even in my first meeting with her, uh, I sat down, started talking about all the things that you know are going on in my life and you know all the things that may have contributed to this. And then as you know, where we're talking at the end, I said, you know, and I kind of wouldn't be surprised if it turns out I have ADHD. And she said. Well, do you realize how fast you've been talking? <laughs> and I said, "Right, no, I didn't, I did, I did not." Is that fast? And and then just sort of explored it from there. And then that became and, and this is me in my adulthood, right? So that's this is 2019. That's that's um what 10 years ago. So it feels like I'm I'm now like in this position where I've got like this sort of Kobayashi moment where where all of a sudden like the cup drops and breaks and you see like this you you look back on all of the things in your life that have led to that. That moment and you replay them through this whole other lens and you say oh, oh boy like that's why I was maybe struggling with depression as a child oh mm-hmm. boy that's why I was hyper focusing on that project that no one else even seemed to care about or oh that's why I can't do all of those things that's why I can't do that stuff right um and and it, it was maybe the first big time when I thought like holy smokes you mean you mean everybody doesn't think like this mm-hmm. and, I, and I and I and intuitively you know you know you know, you're an ADHD too, um, that, that clearly my brain works differently than other people's. I, I, that kind of became apparent to me, but at the same time, I was holding this paradoxically, I was holding the, um, the knowledge that I thought differently than other people while also having the belief that other people must surely be thinking the way that I'm thinking. Um, and, 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 and that is a very stressful and dissonant, place to live. And yet that was what I called home inside my brain for a very, very long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is totally true. That's, it is such a weird paradox where you feel like you, you know, something's different about your brain. Like you, you feel like either you're broken or you're different or like there's weird quirks, like something Mm -hmm. is going on and you can't really define it, but you're right. It's, there's that other feeling of surely other people are also struggling with this and somehow they're just getting over it better than I am, or they're dealing with it better somehow. And you don't realize that there's this whole like, No, other people aren't dealing with a lot of these, these issues that we've got going on. And so there's this kind of strange realization, you know, when you first discover that, oh, there's like this whole other class of brain that I didn't know I had and that other people have too, but most people don't have and don't kind of relate with all of that at all.
1: And then, and then I go through this realization, I guess, that the air quote, really, really hard things for a brain to do are actually the really, really easy things for me. And the Mm. quote-unquote, easy things to do are the really, really hard things for me. Right. So like, um, yeah, Scotty's very, very good with complex mathematics, like, uh, but still has trouble with buttons. Like my my <laughs> yeah. preschool report card is like always going to be my favorite, like play, plays well with others, still has trouble with buttons. And I feel like that should actually kind of be my <laughs> epitaph. I want to go out the way I started, but, <laughs> right. but thematically that's, that's kind of true, right? Like I can, I can see complex patterns and I can figure out r- weird relationships and creative connections between things that other people don't see, but oh my God, try and get me to like file my admin report. Oh, mm-hmm. That's going to take me a month of agony. And it's, and it's going to hurt inside and out. It is going to truly hurt because for whatever reason, like filling in the blanks, I I, I know where the blank is. I know what has to go into the blank. But actually getting myself to do that is incredibly hard. Yeah, it's torture. Yeah. Honestly, (laughs) honestly.
0: Yeah, I I recently discovered uh, an old uh, box in... uh in the attic that had my name on it and a bunch of old, you know, old school papers and stuff. And I found some of my old report cards in there. And, oh, man, it was it was quite, you know, with the knowledge of my ADHD, like going back through, it's just like so obvious. Like every single one of them talking about, you know, it's like he's not reaching his true potential and doesn't do his homework. And this project was amazing that he did. But then he just didn't do these other ones at all. (laughs) There's so much of that. And then the other stuff like that is common the like yeah joy to have in class gets along with others really funny and all those sorts of things kind of coming along with it and just like somehow they knew there was that i had this great potential and i wasn't reaching it but they didn't really have any advice for me how i could actually get there
1: see i I kind of had a bit of an inverse problem because i um this is not comparative but i'm I'm just using language that i was given by some other people which is that i i I, as a child i was a, a, a very high functioning adhd in school which meant that from 8:45 a.m. until 3:30 p.m., I could hold my business together, and I could be a, a rock star, straight A student at school who is a genius. After 3:30 p.m., the wheels kind of fell off, and I was a little bit of a disaster. So, <laughs> right. so if you were to go to any teacher who ever taught me, probably until grade, you know, 10 or 11 and said, you know, Scotty has ADHD, they would say, uh-uh, no way, mm-hmm. no way, um, because I could hide it. Then you get to a point where you can no longer hide it because the volume of activity in my brain is so large and the complexity of my life is now getting bigger and bigger as you progress to the grades, right? You know, mm-hmm. you start to discover um, uh, romantic and sexual interests. You start to uh, personal uh, hobbies. You start to become who you're going to be a little bit more. And you start taking on, I mean, at least for me, I was taking on jobs. I started working when I was, when I was in uh, grade 10. I started working like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, a part to halftime job. And your life just gets bigger that way. And then for me, I came to a couple of points where, yeah, there was a breaking moment where, you know, you know, here shalt thou come, but no further. Like this is <laughs> <laughs> that, right. This is this is the end of the line, pal. You don't get any more <laughs> stuff in the shopping cart. It is full. And so, so there's, there's that bit, which is that like, I could, I could hide it for a period of time or at least or manage it or whatever, whatever you want to call that. Mm-hmm. But then in my adulthood, after I got my diagnosis, you know, I, I started, you know, I, I started sort of play testing, talking about it a little bit more and more, you know, outside my family. And I went to an associate of mine at work, uh, who I'm very close with and who I admire very much. Uh, his work is fantastic. And we're, we're really close. And I said so, you know, I need to tell you. Um, you know, I've been you're going through this process and I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Pause. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. So that so that's how it is. All right. So so it, um so I it, which kind of tells me that a in in my adult life it probably shines a lot more obviously than mm-hmm. as a, than mm-hmm. as a child. But I think that that's also because in my adult life I am Probably harnessing it a lot more and using it as my superpower, um, but I mean, like every force has a light side and a dark side, right? So, I right. Mean, like, <laughs> you you can't uh, you, you can't go all, you know full tilt or you run out of uh, uh, nitrous at some point. Vin Diesel said
0: that, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs>
1: so, so to me, what what I was like having a hard time coming to, maybe coming to grips with at first um, was seen by those around me as like perfectly natural and possibly Mm -hmm. even patently obvious so right right and so now i'm the last person to know and thanks a lot friends maybe you should have (laughs) said something
0: yeah i had a that kind of similar experience where once i knew there was some people that didn't know at all but there was others i talked to and they're yeah they were like well yeah it's like, seems obvious. Like, well, you, you, well how yeah, you not that's know another, like,
1: That's everyone's catchphrase. <laughs> well, yeah. Right, right.
0: Yeah, and you talked about, like, it not showing up in school, like, when you were a kid and stuff. And <laughs> I've heard of others having that experience, too, where they kind of, like, they learn to mask it in certain environments. So, they, they seem like, I don't know, some people think to like say that high functioning is kind of a problematic way to say it, but whatever it is, it's like where those symptoms aren't showing up and you're kind of just disappearing in the crowd of school and not being... You're not being that typical, you know, stereotypical, like, problem child that jumps, that's running all over the place and not doing anything and getting into trouble. And that is, you know, that that boy is usually the one that gets that label ADHD young, whereas other people that aren't so obvious and or hy- outwardly hyperactive kind mm-hmm. of skate by and... Don't get, don't find out until much later when the, the edges start to crack or whatever the metaphor is. And then you kind of can't contain it anymore. Right. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Cause you see the kid who's like running all over the classroom. They're like, give that boy Ritalin. Right. Um, whereas, whereas I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm sitting perfectly still, but I'm doing all of that sort of activity in my mind. Right And many a pediatrician will also say, well, if the behavior isn't exhibited in more than one environment, then it's probably not ADHD. Mm-hmm. which, you know, like from my own personal experience, I will um, reach for the buzzer and cry, baloney because <laughs> yes, because I, I can attest to the fact that I can the, that I can that it can be done. It could right. absolutely it can absolutely be hidden and managed. but then but then you run out of gas because that takes a lot of mental fortitude. To be able to do, which means that you're mm-hmm. going to be a disaster in that other environment. So <laughs> it can be it can be tricky to to get that diagnosis even when you pursue it at a young age uh, because there's there's sort of a pre-established framework for what ADHD desirably looks like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Know, It's just a desirable uh, presentation <laughs> of this Well that ADHD is a lot more attractive than this other one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that becomes problematic and becomes hard to diagnose. So I mean, you know, advocacy is, is is key and keep exploring and keep keep mapping and 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 pursue working with, you know, whatever medical professionals around you you have access to.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I definitely hear that a lot where people again similar to you like having that history as a child where they felt it but they covered it up at school and then having trouble later when they're seeing their their doctor or whoever trying to get their official diagnosis and not being able to provide these examples of like, well, I didn't do that as a kid in school because I kept it in. And so I don't have the example that the doctor's looking for to say, like, here's another environment, kind of like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people struggle to get that diagnosis because of it. It's not an easy problem to solve, but it's definitely a problem. The diagnos- It's just so hard to get diagnosed, especially for people that are you know, underprivileged.
1: There's a lot of privilege that goes along with being able to be successfully diagnosed. I get, I get that. I'm very grateful for the amount of medical support that I've been able to
0: mm-hmm. um, access
1: because uh, w- without it, I, I mean, I wouldn't be able to have this conversation
0: properly at all. Right, right. Yeah. So back to like when you got diagnosed which i uh, was just a couple of years ago how mm-hmm. so you're you have this podcast where you talk about like getting things done and that whole methodology and i know you're a you know an internet old hat like i am like back in the <sighs> days of merlin man 43 folders and like back when david allen's book getting things done first came out mm-hmm. and how so finding out about your adhd how did that affect what it was like kind of applying those common productivity you know axioms to your life
1: it made my affection for GTD makes make so much sense. Mm. So so first, first a, a little bit of backdrop for, for those who are new. Getting th- the Getting Things Done methodology is essentially a personal productivity approach, which says that you approach your work in five stages. You capture all the things that have your attention. One. You clarify all of those things that you have captured two, in terms of what they mean to you and and what they are and what action you will take because of them. Three, you will organize that which you have clarified into some sort of trusted system so that you have externalized and organized all of the commitments and and, uh, actions that you've got. Four, you will review that trusted system into which you have organized your stuff. And five, you will then engage and do things based on where you are, what you have at your disposal in terms of tools and technology, energy available, and any other kind of resource constraints.
0: Right, That's right. That's yeah, GTD so- in 30
1: seconds. Go enjoy <laughs> your fixed life now.
0: <laughs> right. So I did uh, I did a video late last year that I called Toxic Productivity. Uh, and it basically was <laughs> about how for so long I've tried to make Like that system worked for me and other kind of productivity system. You know, you listen to the productivity gurus or whatever you want to call them. And then you hear Mm -hmm. their advice and you're like, oh, that's like you said, that's the solution. That's going to fix everything for me. And then you go to try to apply it and... Uh, for me like the review in GTD like i i, I think i've done a weekly review like once and the all the years that i've tried to make it happen it just never really comes together for me so yeah what what parts of GTD have worked for you you know cuz you're you're really in it and like mm-hmm. what what's the stuff that you just sort of like throw to the side that doesn't work with your brain and yeah how do you make that uh manage that and make it work
1: i mean those thematic five steps work but more as like guiding spiritual themes than actually mm-hmm. like a, a Workable process. So thematically, uh, so what I really truly adopt and what I really swear by is my own kind of implementation of, of bullet journal method. If you're not familiar mm. with bullet journal method, go, go check it out. Uh, it's <laughs> fantastic work. Writer uh, yep. uh, Carol uh, also ADHD. Uh, up top. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I'll I'll put a link to all that stuff with the bullet journal.
1: Th- that's fantastic. Um, get him on your show. Can I meet him too? Um, he sounds like <laughs> a delightful guy. Uh, that really works for me because what that means is that I am capturing in 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 GTD parlance. Now I am capturing because everything is just rapid logging. Right as it comes up, a thing is happening. Oh, here's an idea that I had. Write it down. Here's a uh, here's an action I need to take. Write it down. Here's a here's a thing I need an event I need to think think about and write it down. Cool. So I've just got like this sort of thought stream. And then, you know, on a on a regular basis, I will go back and clarify mm-hmm. GTD, like, have I written down this action in a way that when I read it tomorrow, it's gonna make any sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Like call Bill 48. Cool. Who's who's Bill? Right. What is the 48? Um, my favorite sort of touchstone moment was, was that, um, I, I wrote down, uh, the word once, uh, on an index card and put it in my inbox. <laughs> uh-huh. So when you look at that five days later, it took me so long. I mean, I'm really glad that I deciphered what I meant because it was in reference to the movie once mm. that I really wanted to see because someone mentioned it somewhere. Uh, and I thought that it would be really good <laughs> and I'm glad I watched it because it was really good. I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it took an awful lot of work to decipher what on earth once meant later. So yeah,
0: I, I, I find that I have I have so much faith in future Jesse that's he, that he's always oh, gonna know exactly what I'm thinking that's in the moment. Right. <laughs>
1: that's right. I care about this so much right now. Certainly I will always care about it. Mm-hmm. Um because why wouldn't I always care about it? Um <laughs> Yeah, okay, so I'm bullet journaling, that's capturing. I'm going back and I'm clarifying so that there's a sense of future me. And I'm also, because I'm kind of doing this digitally, using tags uh, that will help me organize things later so that, you know, if there are things that relate to my boss or a particular project, whatever, I can drop in little little tags. That's my organizing. Reviewing, yeah, I'm basically looking for anything that doesn't have a check mark next to it, but that looks like an action. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I am doing based based on that. So I am not using like a GTD inbox and then picking everything up and then clarifying it. And then filing it and organizing it. I am not following that methodology in terms of practical work steps, but I am following it as an internal process to say, am I capturing things? Are they clarified enough that I will understand what they mean? Have I signified them in some way that they are organized even if it's like putting an icon next to them like to me that that's organized because now I can Mm -hmm. just look for everything with that icon all the things that I need to look at together I can find that's what organized is and then and then and then review means yeah am I looking back at stuff and not letting things fall by the wayside uh and then and then am I actually doing that which I said I would do so Mm -hmm. so yes I follow GTD as a as a methodology I do not follow it as a practice or or process because I can't keep up and my 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 brain won't let me however i will say that um it was in in 2005 i got my very first mac came preloaded with with omni outliner on it mm. uh, in 2006 someone gave me the gtd book as a gift and so then it wasn't very long until i discovered ethan schoonover's work i sure hope i pronounced his name correctly uh, who created these scripts for omni outliner called kinkless gtd or, or kgtd for short that product was so cool that omni basically bought it and turned it into OmniFocus. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Omni Outliner into OmniFocus and I, I really liked it. And then I really didn't. And I adopted a paper system, index cards. Um, for, you mentioned a certain Merlin man. Mm-hmm. Who, yes. Who index cards, a, a, a space pen and a, and a binder clip. That's my <laughs> life now. But what I really found was that by externalizing my thoughts and just making lists, mm-hmm. that did everything. And, and, and it's funny because uh, that was how we planned our wedding, which is still one of the favorite projects that I've ever project managed is our, our wedding planning, which is in 2006, is you know us going in to see the wedding planner me with a stack of color-coded index cards. And and that was that was how we we ran this. So I, I had a huge pension encouraged by my wife, Scotty, write this down and make lists. And the more I did that, the more relief I felt and the more I felt like I had a sense of what was actually going on. Because I'm the type of person who will think about one thing that I have to do 10 times and mistakenly have the impression that I have 10 things to do and then get stressed out. So so by externalizing, I I have an actual, now I can look at it and say, ah, I, that's weird. I was very strung out five minutes ago thinking I had all these things to do. I actually only have three and one of them's done. So, mm. uh, so it, it was very clear that internally I was punishing myself, and externalizing was a big tool uh, into you know giving myself relief. So, it, so GTD in that regard was was you know like a lifesaver. I don't think there's anything that could have gotten me from 2005 to 2019 more so than GTD did. Mm. Uh, and then from 2019 to present, uh, the diagnosis and and the right. the c- clarified sense of. Oh, I am this way because, and which, which gives me a lot more context. For uh, how to solve for special moments that I endure in in my life.
0: Yeah, I find that that whole externalizing your brain is so important. Like I said before, I my instinct is to trust future me, or or even just to trust my own memory. Like I I always think my memory is better than it is, even though I've I've seen the studies on ADHD that show the you know deficits in working memory and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. in the moment, I still like I find myself believing like I. I know there's a problem with my memory, but I'm probably going to remember these because I think it's really important. Um, and so I'm trying to like get to that default of maybe I should just write it down anyway. Mm-hmm. And that really, yeah, getting it out of my brain really helps. Those visual tools like whiteboards, index cards. I have, yeah. I don't know, I probably have like 300 index cards on my desk. They're not super organized, but I know that they're there and I know they're, the there. Things, they're, they're there. But they're there. And yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. I find those external tools uh, so helpful for, uh, yeah, making that sort of stuff. Get done, um, so speaking of your diagnosis you know a couple of years ago, did that change a lot of your like perspective on your systems and how you were doing things? Like did you adapt new things or did it just sort of give a general understanding of why you had already made those changes?
1: more the latter, I'd say I'd say give a lot more context as to why um mm-hmm. uh, it, it but it really allowed me to go back and revisit a lot of like, was sort there of watershed moments in my life and go like, oh my God. that's what was happening um so that was that was really cool and you you know you and i were talking a little bit earlier like i mean the symptoms are the symptoms and the way i am is the way i am diagnosis or not i it's still the diagnosis changes nothing except that it lets me know where i am in relation to the rest of the universe so Mm. I, i still have all the same symptoms that's cool but now i have a much better sense of what i can do with that what i shouldn't do with that and what i should maybe think about changing about that and that was really empowering um I mean, I mean, so was medication, (laughs) Right. (laughs) big big ups to big pharma Uh, that, that, that changed a lot of things because Mm. um, I, I, the, the metaphor that I used a lot was that I would be able to generate a million ideas that were like red balloons with greasy strings Mm. and I could not hang on to a single one. Mm, Right. And so I can, I could generate it and I could experience it for a moment but I couldn't like stay with it long enough to carry through with the work that I would have to do about that or the decisions that I would have to make about that. And and in trying to hang on to one and letting it go, I'm instantly g- grabbing for another one. Mm -hmm. and not and then all of a sudden it's like some weird version of like that old black and white movie metropolis and like people running around manipulating clocks in order to keep time and it it felt so um everything just felt kind of futile Mm -hmm. and because because of sheer volume like i I can manage my internal adhd to a point but then there's a comedian camera i have to look this up who had four kids and it says what is it like to have four kids and he says imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby yeah it's it's kind of like that <laughs> right like i i can manage my thoughts to a point but now insert increasingly complex levels of responsibility at work oh and three children who are aging into different ages and stages of their life and how about right. uh, and how about some hobbies
0: you know what start a podcast
1: how about some side <laughs> gigs and how about like and then
0: hey no need to call me
1: out No, 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 I I, mean, this is, this is my own lived experience. Um, You can do you on your monologue show. Um, But yeah. And then, and then it's again, here shall thou come, but no further. So now I, so now I know kind of what to do about that. I know what I'm, when I'm getting close to full. I know how to manage it. So now I can see it coming. Um, And I've got meds that degrease the uh, balloon strings so I can hang on to it. And I can also, you know, choose which ones I hang on to a little bit more um, and choose which ones I let go of. So I feel like I have a lot more internal agency um, and I feel like I have a lot more external agency as well because I know what I'm working with, right? Um, When you know what materials you have at hand, you know what you can and cannot build. I suppose, but no, but, but, but truly I I think that that has been the biggest difference is it didn't, Mm -hmm. it didn't change who I am or what I am. Uh, but it gave me, um, some belts and braces to help me navigate my own self.
0: Awesome. So let's talk about some shiny objects. And this is a time of the show just to Mm -hmm. talk about something that has grabbed your interest lately, something you want to share that maybe other people you think will enjoy. So, yeah, what's your shiny object of uh, this week?
1: I hope so. I hope so. I'm a Lego enthusiast is what I am. And (laughs) Lego has a series of sets that are called Botanical. And I have the Lego Bonsai Tree and I have the Lego Birds of Paradise these are like, they, they look they look kind of like plants. They look kind of like trees. They're adorable. And I today I just pre-ordered the Lego orchid set and the Lego succulents set. And uh, these are like the perfect things to adorn my desk. My wife and I have this running gag of like, you have enough plants because <laughs> she never has enough plants. There are so many plants upstairs, Jesse. There are so <laughs> many plants. But one of our most favorites is our orchids. She had orchids, uh, part of our, our, our deal at our, at our wedding. And she has a big orchid, uh, tattooed on her ankle in, 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 in with a nod to that. So when Lego showed off a set of orchids that I'm like, that needs to be on my desk right now. <laughs> right. So I, I, I'm very excited to order that. And, and, um, succulents is sort of like the low maintenance. We have a whole bunch of them around upstairs. So I thought like, this is the perfect way to bring our some of our favorite things and some of our sense of decor to my workspace without mm-hmm. invoking any actual more plants.
0: Right. That uh, that sounds awesome. I keep seeing those in uh, Instagram. I don't know if they're ads or I think I follow Lego so they must be promoting lately those yeah. Probably. The, and I haven't I haven't bought any yet but I keep thinking about it cuz I who I I like who doesn't love Lego? Lego is just such uh such a great great brand toy. Like I I'll be, I'll be, Eighty years old and still want to be building something in Lego. It's just so much fun. There's some. There's something so satisfying about it. And the way oh, totally. the way they add all. I think my favorite part is all the little like Easter eggs when you're building. Like, oh, this thing that I'm building right here, it's going to be hidden when I'm done. Like, you aren't going to be able to look at the thing and know that the engine inside this Star Wars ship looks this way. But I built it, and so I know that inside you know this, it's there. yeah, I know it's there. And oh, I lo- I love those little like delightful secrets like that um so for my shiny object i'm going to talk about last year i got the remarkable tablet. Um, I don't know if you've seen this before, but it,
1: (laughs) I I think, you know, that I have like a long standing envy of your remarkable (laughs) tablet.
0: Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like a really big Kindle in a way it's super thin and it it's e-ink. So there's no, it, it doesn't really, it looks like an iPad, but it's thinner than an iPad and it doesn't have a real, like it doesn't have a digital screen. So there's no backlight. It's just e-ink, but it feels so nice to write on. Like the way the just the you know the the stylus that that looks like a pencil. It feels I think about as close as it could feel to writing on paper. But because it's a digi- you know digital device, it's saving everything, and you can mm-hmm. sync it online. And I actually, because it's so thin and light i it's my favorite way to read so it doesn't have a kindle app so you can't read kindle books but any other books you have that are like pdf i i'm transferring pdfs to it all the time because it just feels so nice to read like i feel like i'm in star trek or something with this really thin device reading and then highlighting right on the its it's great it's it's way too expensive for what it is it's definitely so like an indulgence <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's
1: it's beautiful it's beautiful i i like i have been eyeing them for a while like even pre-remarkable 2 which like it's yeah. technically remarkable too right yes yes I, i've been you. eyeing them for a while i just thought i like if one of those fell from the sky and landed on my desk <laughs> i know that i would use the heck out of that and i would probably get a ton of value out of it Mm-hmm. I can, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. It's just, it's, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful gift to self. I'm glad, I'm glad you're able to get over the hump. I went through that with my <laughs> headphones though. Says the guy sitting here wearing AirPods max, right? Like I, right, right. I, I agonized over that for so long cause they're so expensive. It's so dumb, but I, but in trying to find a headphone that I would be like super happy with that did noise canceling and transparency and all those sorts of things, Mm-hmm. I'm I, I, like the amount of research and like comparing I was doing. I'm like, you know what, you know, just forget it. I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm buying my way out of having to think about it anymore. And right. I am the, so that like second shiny thing. The, the, I I spend all day in these because I I I um telecommute. I am in I'm in you know webcam and and uh, audio meetings all day long. Uh, and I love them, and they're comfortable. And I have like left the house and gotten into the car still wearing them because mm. uh, because I forget, and they're comfy, and the transparency mode is just that good.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... I'm. That's. I am jealous of those. I've I've added them to my cart a couple of times and then remembered that the conversation I'd have to have with my wife when that showed mm-hmm. up and so I ha- I haven't pulled the trigger. Um, thankfully for my marriage, but it's something I've definitely <laughs> considered uh, several times because yeah, I'm uh, jealous of those as well. I do have I do have the the little AirPods and I, the yeah the transparency mode is great. And that those as well. So I really love being able to kind of listen to stuff, but still, you know, hear the kids or whatever is going on around me. And so I don't, I don't miss stuff. Um, but yeah. And then I can turn, turn them off with the silence mode, uh, which is great.
1: (laughs) I actually used them to find my kid one time um, because in, in accessibility settings on my iPhone, I didn't know this until I like did a little search while I was at the park and I completely lost sight of where he was. Hmm. Um, in accessibility settings, you can like turn up the volume and use them as like quasi hearing aids. So I like, because oh. like there was like no one in the park, so I just like cranked the volume, and I was able to like find them. They were like a hundred meters away, which in American is like three hundred feet uh, <laughs> away, like in hit in, like in a in a low grove of trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and thanks to like the overlisting um, feature, I was able to like
0: locate him and wow. quickly
1: turn down the volume so that he no one accidentally like screamed and blew my eardrums apart.
0: Right, right. Wow. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. It was uh, great to, great to chat with you today. Uh, Where can people go to follow the things that you're doing?
1: Uh, The things that we, uh, we mentioned the Nested Folders podcast. You can find that at nestedfolderspodcast.com. That's uh, co-hosted by myself and Rosemary Orchard, who is absolutely delightful. Uh, And then you can find me at com on the internet or by the same name at heyscottyj on Twitter, which is where I'm more reliably found.
0: Awesome. And we'll have uh, links to all those in the show notes. This was awesome. Thank you uh, so much for being here.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. It's It's a delight as always.
0: That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I especially want to thank our VIP patrons, Eric Tompkins, Luce Carter, Richard Stevens, Todd Barnett, and Dan Ott. It helps me do this show and the other work I do, so thank you so much for the support. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash J. That's J-E-S-S-E-J. You can always support the show for free by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the podcast player of your choice. Full show notes and transcripts are available at ADHDnerds.com.